Hello everybody and welcome to a podcast of Biblical Proportions. Collaboration. Biblical Timeline versus Historical Timeline. I want to thank Willow Green, Jake and Tim for joining our tribe on patreon.com slash biblical proportions. Hi everybody. Because I feel that uh, each one of the episodes on our narrative, on our biblical narrative, contains so much information and timelines, I wanted to go over the biblical timeline and the historical timeline from beginning to end to refresh our memory and make sure we know where we're at at all times. So for this topic, I collaborated with my friend Gary Stevens from the History in the Bible podcast, which I recommend to anybody who is interested in either Bible or history. I divided our conversations into two parts in order to avoid flooding you with too much information because that would defy the whole purpose of this conversation. So this episode is part one. We will start with the Hebrew patriarchs of Genesis versus the late Bronze Age of Mesopotamia and conclude our journey today with the convergence of the two timelines as Jerusalem is destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 BCE which is where we are now on this podcast along the historical timeline, right? The book of Exodus was written and compiled in the subsequent Babylonian exile. So I hope that going over it all one more time will be helpful for us moving forward. Enjoy the conversation. And at the end of the episode, I'll tell you what's coming up next. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gil. How are you going? Very happy to see you again. Good to see you too in these happy, happy days of 2022. <laughs> yeah, so it's been some time since uh, we've seen each other. Yeah. So I want us just to, you know, in Hebrew, uh, we, we call that lasot seder, lasot seder, to make order. Oh. Just like put some order in things. There's the, there are so many timelines hmm. related to the Bible. You have the chronological timeline that the Bible, uh, the Bible narrative uh, sets. This is how shit went down. You have a historical timeline and you have the timeline in when was each book written. So I just like want us to go through all that and just like make everything as simple and clear as possible. Well, I'm sure we'll stuff that up, but let's have a go anyway. <laughs> So let's start with the with the biblical uh, narrative. Traditionally, the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the great grandkids lived in the time of the late Bronze Age, which is roughly fifteen hundred BCE to twelve hundred BCE. It's a long period, three hundred years. They lived a long life. Yes, they all lived incredibly long lives. Now, when the, when the scribes were making up those numbers for the long lives, they didn't put a big chart out and work it out because you will work out that one of the sons of Noah was still alive when Abraham was an old man. <laughs> so anyway, the patriarchs are traditionally set during the late Bronze Age. In terms of geopolitics, the big power is the new kingdom of Egypt. Now, one of the problems of setting the patriarchs during the time of the late Bronze Age, is that New Kingdom Egypt controlled Canaan. We have lots of forts dotted throughout Canaan. Yeah. Archaeologically, it just doesn't seem to work. No. Uh, well, supposedly the Hebrews, Israelites went to Egypt, 
and it was a real fun time for a while. Things turned bad. They went back, went back to Canaan. The, the rabbinical dating for that is uh, about 1400 BCE, again in the middle of the late Bronze Age. Yeah. Uh, Protestant Christian scholars dated to about 1200 BCE, uh, which is uh, the time of Pharaoh Ramses II. And the 1200 BC would uh, put it really close to the Bronze Age collapse. Yes. And I guess that could be, you know, a good setting for large migrations and uh, political yeah. upheavals. The Bronze Age collapse was an absolute disaster for the Eastern Mediterranean. Some have called it an even worse disaster than the fall of Rome, of the Roman Empire. Yeah, yeah, good point. Basically, a whole set of very ancient kingdoms and empires, like the Hittites and Mitannis, disappeared. They were destroyed. Yeah, very quickly. Very, yeah, very quickly. This is the time of uh, people, um, people like the Sea Peoples, who are ravaged Egypt. It seems to have been a time of migrations. Nowadays, people are tending towards climate change occurring in Greece and in uh, Turkey, Anatolia, as maybe an origin. Anyway, the, the entire eastern Mediterranean went to hell in a handbasket. Egypt managed to survive, uh, just, but it lost its territories outside of Egypt proper. The Egyptian New, New Kingdom had been a very expansionist, go-getting, progressive place. Then it regressed. The other major empires, Assyria, regions Assyria, Babylon, Babylon, were pretty much squashed. So that takes us yet to about 1200 BC. The Bronze Age collapse is actually the key moment for everything that is going to happen from now on that we're going to discuss uh, in the rest of the episode because the collapse of all these great and very, very ancient and long-running empires that have been active and successful in some way or another for a thousand, two thousand, and even three thousand years. It's just incredible. Yeah. They collapsed either completely or were on the brink and they retreated from all the lands that they have gained and basically retreated to their narrowest and smallest possible territory. Yeah. And into that vacuum stepped all kinds of leaders, warlords, chieftains, mini kings, princes, whatever it is. And they were like, oh, okay, all the, all the big fish are gone. This is a small pond now, so I have a chance. And then we saw a lot of small kingdoms, which is what characterizes the first part of the Iron Age. And into that reality comes in the biblical narrative with the story of Joshua's conquest of Canaan, of Canaan supposedly by the descendants of the slaves who just left uh, horrible Egypt. Then we, have, then we get to the conquest, which would also fit in pretty well with the Bronze Age collapse type period. Yeah, thematically, but not archaeologically. No, not archaeologically. Because there's no evidence of, of any conquest, no. large-scale conquest at all during that time. So there's no reason to think that, you know, oh, no, no, there's zero historical account. In fact, yeah. all the archaeology says that the Israelites were the Canaanites. Yeah. In other words, you cannot distinguish an Israelite settlement from a Canaanite one. So yeah. there, was, there was no conquest. 
it's like a mini group that just like uh, was successful. Yeah. I mean, during the, during the Bronze Age collapse, the Canaanite cities on the plain near the coast, they were ravaged. But it's entirely possible that the hill tribes survived because no one wants to live in the hills. There's nothing there. <laughs> it's harder to conquer uh, hill people. Yeah, hill traditionally territory. it's very hard uh, to conquer hill people because they run away uh, and go down valleys and up yeah, hills. Right. And they know uh, the place and that's a big difference. Hmm. Uh, if an army come, if sea people come over, <laughs> they don't know the mountains and the hills. No, no. no, no. Sea people are good at invading plains and big cities on, on flat plains. They're not so hot in mountains. Exactly. Anyway, by the time of the end of the uh, Bronze Age collapse, we see the first uh, Hebrews, Israelites, whatever, that we can actually think have a really solid historical existence. Yeah. There are Egyptian and uh, Assyrian records later... Uh, that mentioned the uh, people that are called Israel, Israel, a people, not a territory. Hmm. David, David, we have like an inscription from yeah. um, uh, a King David. It's not as in the story, but there seems to have been a David that ruled uh, Jerusalem, uh, you know, chieftain, warlord, something, over, or mini ruler. Yeah. And that's another big clash between archaeology and the biblical text. The biblical text speaks of a great so-called united kingdom of Israel and Judea from the line of David that stretches to unimaginable uh, borders. Nobody has ever heard of that kingdom outside uh, of the Bible. And that's supposed to be at the beginning of the Iron Age. So there's Literally no evidence that this is an actual historical account. After Solomon the Wise, Solomon the Great, Solomon the super-duper smart dies, the whole place just collapses. Bang. Because he put an idiot in charge, his son, who does really come across as a complete idiot. So you wonder, how smart were you, Solomon? <laughs> yeah. So about the books uh, Samuel uh, 1 and 2 that chronicle uh, the history of the United mm. Kingdom. So I haven't gotten fully yet to these books, but I was curious as to the genre of the writing because uh, Genesis and Exodus is clearly uh, literature and mythology and it doesn't name the kings and doesn't try to put you in a specific place and time. And like the, the real historical stuff... It says it's like the texts often start or almost always start in the third year of the reign of this and this person in that month after this and this happened, and then the historical account. I was like, yeah. do they use that genre with Solomon to fake history? Because for me, obviously, he never existed. They don't even use that genre. Nothing in the whole story of Solomon is placed at any time, even now, not like three years after he did something. It's always like super vague. After that time, after some time, then later. So for me, that's also a giveaway that this is not a historical account because it's not written like the historical accounts that the same people are writing about actual people who existed. And a great 
fine point that someone else made, unfortunately, and uh, not me. Uh, Doctor Igal Benun is, among other things, also uh, writes uh, biblical scholarship, and he says, "What is the name of the United Kingdom? We know we have Israel. We know we have Judah. What is the name of the United Kingdom? It doesn't have a name because no. it yeah. never yeah. existed." It doesn't have a name because it never existed. It's always Israel and Judea. It's a, it's a, it's a, a fiction. Yeah, I'd never thought of that. Me neither, right. unfortunately. It, I mean, yeah, in modern scholarship, it's just called the United Kingdom. And as far as I know, in, in the books of Samuel, it's just called the kingdom. The kingdom it, or it, it, Judea, Israel, Israel and Judea or the sons of, yeah. but there's never any name hmm. because it never existed. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you would have a name. I'm the king of this kingdom. The United Kingdom of David and Solomon, traditionally, splits in two. The kingdom of Israel to the north. Uh, Israel has a boundary and has a border with the Mediterranean and the little tiny kingdom of Judah to the south. Modern archaeology is, is fairly clear that the northern kingdom, Israel, was a prosperous, rambunctious Little kingdom, whereas Judah was, yeah, <laughs> exactly, not yeah. that, <laughs> not 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 that. Judah didn't even have access to the Mediterranean; it was landlocked. Uh, yeah. It was landlocked because by the Philistines, right? The Philistines. Ah, oh, didn't David get rid of them? Sorry, uh-huh. no. <laughs> no. So many people. Joshua got rid of. Or somehow we're still there after yeah. Joshua. So it's almost as if a later editor. <laughs> put them in a chronological order that didn't uh, fit. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? All those, all those people which Joshua triumphed over, yeah, pop back up in Judges to give the Israelites hell yet again. And they're still there in the books of Kings and Chronicles. They must have been tough little bastards. <laughs> so this is around this time that the Assyrians are becoming... The dominant, the most dominant power that has ever been, uh, frankly, and all those little mini kingdoms who sprouted out after the Bronze Age collapsed and filled that vacuum, now they're being swallowed by Assyria. So now we get to the two kingdoms, actual historical, uh, you know, this is based on, on actual history, texts, and archaeology, and everything. Yeah. The the Book of Kings, the two books of Kings, actually refer to some of their sources, which are called, with a complete lack of imagination, the Book of the Kings of Israel and the Book of the Kings of Judah. Now, we don't know the reality of any of these kings, but if you look at the chronologies established in Kings and Chronicles, it is fairly easy to construct a coherent chronology. And the chronologies, of course, always go on, you know, always work on a relational principle. So it'd be something like, and King Ahab of Judah came to power in the sixth year of the reign of King so-and-so of Israel. But scholars have managed to sort of, there are a moderate number of inconsistencies, but they're pre- pretty certain that the framework is pretty robust. In the southern kingdom of Judah, traditionally, all the kings were of the house of David. Just one single dynasty ruled it right to the very end. Whereas in the northern kingdom of Israel, there were all sorts of dynasties who were fairly murderous towards each other. I mean, they looked like your typical medieval kings, right? 
Right. Um, yeah. If you have a weak heir, well, then maybe there's a, there'll be a new dynasty, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, somebody will come in. Yeah. Someone will come in. Now, eventually, the northern kingdom of Israel is annihilated by the Assyrians. Yeah. We're pretty sure of that, and we're pretty sure of the date. I think it was the 720 BCE or 722 BCE yes. or something. Yes, uh, yeah, 722. 722 BCE. Yeah. The northern kingdom also produced the earliest prophets of Elijah, who's a biggie, uh, and Elisha, Amos, and Hosea. Hosea. So that... Yeah. This is just in I'll Hebrew, use English. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no. By you using the Hebrew name, it makes both of us look a lot smarter. <gasps> okay. Okay. <laughs> After Assyria was destroyed, actually in the last years of the Kingdom of Israel, when Assyria was obviously becoming a menace and looked like it might put its foot down at any moment, uh, the prophets Micah and Isaiah arose in the southern kingdom of Judah and started warning the northern kingdom, ooh, you've yeah. got to tread carefully here. Yeah. Bad things will happen. The Assyrians are coming. Yeah. Yeah, the Assyrians are coming. The Assyrians are coming. No one wants to hear that. <laughs> no, no, not in the, and we're now in the Iron Age, not in the Iron Age. No, that's always bad news. Uh, right. <laughs> so. And they came. Ah, actually, and the Assyrians, no, they did come also to, uh, for Judah, right? 701, right? There was the uh, siege against uh, siege around uh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And for some reason, the Assyrians just backed off. Yeah. Now, it's an, uh, we don't really know why. I mean, the Bible it gives it a miraculous yeah. explanation. But it's entirely possible that there was yet another rebellion in the Assyrian Empire because they happened all the time. Yeah. The king's brother had decided to that being king was actually a better job. <laughs> and then the and king's the, And brother. the army had, yeah, as opposed to king's brother, <laughs> had, had, had decided to uh, uh, right. make trouble. We also should say that they didn't just leave, they also got tri tribute. So they didn't annihilate yeah. Jerusalem like they were supposed to do, you know, per their mm -hmm. uh, strategy, but it's not as if they fled. No, it also says in another place in the Bible that they got gold, like the gold from the temple, and so much yeah. stuff. So much stuff. They pretty didn't they? They stripped the temple pretty yeah, much, didn't so. they? I think. I think so. yeah, yeah. yeah. The southern kingdom then continues on for another couple of decades, until round about the year six hundred. Now I think uh, maybe six ten, six twenty, whenever it is. BC. The region of Babylon manages to conquer Assyria. Well, that's not quite right. Basically, every single neighbor of Assyria yeah. ganged up on them, yeah. formed a gigantic pincer movement, and beat wow. the crap out of them. Wow, beat the crap. But the, yeah, but the Assyrians went down fighting, big time. I mean, these were guys, when, they, when their city was captured, the army inside the capital of Assyria fought its way out wow. through the surrounding armies, to establish itself in Syria as a uh, successor state. That didn't work out too well in the end, but still. Okay, so new boss, Babylonians, same as old boss, Assyrians. Now Babylonia rules the world. The southern kingdom of Judah had to suffer the wrath of the Babylonians, and that's where the famous prophet 
Jeremiah comes in. So here, let me uh, uh, come in, uh, maybe the destruction of Jerusalem and the subsequent mm. exile is a good time to connect uh, the historical timeline, the biblical narrative, and also when some of the things were written, because scholars generally agree that most of the writing was done either right before the exile or right after, like in the first few decades uh, of the exile. So this is like the key period that I think that this mm. event, the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BCE, is ba basically the event around which the entire Bible uh, revolves. Mm. You have a fantastic uh, document on, uh, on your website, uh, Gary. I don't know if I can uh, technically post it, but can I post it on my website and give you, uh, give, give you credit and also maybe have a few comments? I think this is very, very useful. Uh, yeah, sure. I don't know if technically I can put a PDF, but okay. So you have a, like, on your website, we'll, uh, we'll link to it in the description, uh, a very, very useful uh, chart that has both history, the biblical narrative, and when scholars think that each book was written or each series of yeah. books and stuff like that so i'm of the opinion that uh, the two oldest uh, and this opinion is not based just like uh, on me doing philologist uh, research just like the most compelling evidence to me that the two oldest uh, texts in the bible are from around let's say 850 bce would be the song of uh, deborah and the Song of the Sea. Uh, the Song of Deborah has contains like a, uh, an ancient memory of uh, conquest of Israel from its uh, uh, previous uh, foes. And the Song of the Sea uh, documents uh, a fleeing from Egypt uh, on on the sea, thanks to Yahweh. No Moses at all. No mention of Moses in the original uh, form of the song. So these are the two, two core ancient memories that then later there was all kinds of literature and stories built around much, 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 much later. Because the, because, uh, the first thing that were put to writing were songs that people have kept with them for yeah. generations. And outside of that, who the hell knew what happened in 900 BCE, in 1000 BCE, there was no way to record it. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about King Yoshiao, Josiah. That was when the Deuteronomy was found, written, that's uh, 622 or 620 BCE. Yeah. And a lot of scholars think that uh, Solomon is like a, you know, a romanticization of how the writers viewed Yoshiao yeah. Josiah. The, the, yeah, that, that's entirely possible. Um, Josiah, how do you pronounce it in Hebrew again? Yoshiao. It's not even similar. Yoshiao. Okay. Is one of the last kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. He is a religious reformer, building on the reforms of his grandfather Hezekiah. Hezekiah seems to have been a big reformer, so it's, it's hard to disentangle which reforms are due to Hezekiah and which are due to his grandson. The basic context of the reforms is 
a centralization of worship in Jerusalem, getting rid of all the little shrines, which is sort of mentioned in Genesis. You know, when, when the patriarchs go to pray, they don't go to Jerusalem. They don't own Jerusalem. They don't have a temple. They'll go to a little shrine. So what seems to have happened is that the rural priests were brought into the major priestly structure in Jerusalem. My many scholars think that this religious reform is also in, intended to centralise the monarchy yeah, and yeah. make it more powerful. That, that's entirely possible. Yeah. But there's certainly stories you hear about Josiah, oh, and we destroyed this and we destroyed that, all that sort of thing. And things, by the and, way, that his grandfather supposedly also destroyed. Like, like everything that he mm. did is also written for Hezekiah, Hezekiah. For me, I, I haven't yet dived into that, but for me it seems that the, the, during the time of Yoshiao, they wanted to write that, ah, by the way, this was also done before, this is nothing new. This is, uh, we're you know, bringing back, going back to the roots. This is not a new invention, even though everything there, those are like the Deuteronomists, the Deuteronomists yes. who write like the Deuteronomist history, like the official history of how they saw the world through you know, a pious king that is zealously believing in uh, Yahweh and in all the stories about him that his scribes <laughs> tell him were found uh, in the temple. Yeah. Uh, one of the huge things which is high Josiah's reign is that they find, they find a book, big book, sacred book, which, which is going to give guidance to the king and the people about how, basically how to do this religious reformation. It is now believed that this book is Deuteronomy. But that's not always been the case. It was largely held to be an unknown book until, I think, the 20th century, mm. when scholars identified it, identified it with Deuteronomy. And as you said, Gil, Deuteronomy lays out the framework to be a righteous king and a righteous people. And, of course, it includes things like Yes, your king has to be of the line of David. Yes, got to worship at the temple. Temple is big news, boys. Only the temple. And we believe that a set of historians based around the school that developed Deuteronomy in the end came to write the books of uh, Samuel and Kings. And this is, yeah, as you said, this is called the Deuteronomistic history. And the significance of that is that the Deuteronomist in his history has a particular agenda. Of course, he's always going to say the house of David is perfect and he'll, he'll diss the northern kingdom of Israel because it doesn't have the house of David and that's very clear in the books. So in the late times of the two kingdoms uh, when some of these seminal sources seem to have evolved. Right. And then prophets... From that time on, we start seeing that they mention Moses and Moses more and more. Moses is the hero of Deuteronomy. And then he becomes a really prominent figure for everybody, not just the Deuteronomists. He becomes the main prophet and is now even more important than Yaakov, Jacob from the north. And I think like these Deuteronomists later uh, uh, morph in the in the ensuing 40 years until Jerusalem is destroyed into what I call the pragmatic faction and the scholars call the pro-Babylonian uh, faction that kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, takes away the agency 
out of uh, the people there they weren't pro-Babylonian they were uh, pro-Babylonian because it served how they want where they wanted to go and take the kingdom mm. and the pro-Egyptians quote-unquote that's the zealot hawkish faction I want to thank Gary uh, for his time and we'll see him again next week when I drop uh, part two and part two don't skip it because it will be very relevant for episode 41 about Moses murdering an Egyptian guard who beat a Hebrew slave which caused him to flee to the deserts of Midian this was written by our second editor if you recall from episode 39 he was the one who wrote about the new king of Egypt who did not know Joseph. Mm. Very, very interesting guy. The episode, I started working on the episode two weeks ago. It was going to be a straightforward little episode. Finally, something not so ambitious. But I ran into some shit. And now it's going to be a big-ass episode. <laughs> so... The episodes that I'm posting in between our narrative are not at the expense of the numbered narrative episodes. Uh, it actually gives me more time to just uh, work on it well and slowly but surely build the story because I already have all the information, most of the information uh, that I want to share. The biggest challenge is always how to turn that information into the most fun episode uh, that I can. So in part 2 there will be some relevant stuff that will help us when we get to episode 41. Don't want to say more so as not uh, to spoil it. Uh, some more news, I will soon start uh, posting uh, exclusive content for the members of the tribe on patreon.com slash biblical proportions. Though members will not have to go to patreon.com slash biblical proportions to see the, exclusi the exclusive episodes. Those uh, are supposed to appear right there on the feed. If everything, you know, assuming everything works uh, as it should. I think the first exclusive series that I'll start will be about my visits to biblical archaeological sites here in Israel. I've been to a few recently and... Wow. So I want to start like a recurring uh, series of uh, exclusive episodes for tribe members about those very, very cool sites. I feel that that will also help us ground the story in human reality human and historical reality and uh, this exclusive content will be available for all members re regardless of uh, tier on patreon each member does what they can so if that sounds uh, interesting to you please head on to patreon.com slash biblical proportions and join us see you on the other side i'm gil kidron thank you for listening see you next week